0: Awesome. Thanks, man. All right, give me a look at all these beautiful people. How are we, guys? Good. Glad to be here. That wasn't as enthusiastic. (laughs) It's good to see you all here this morning, and uh, I pray that you are blessed not only in worship, but also in the word as um, God just reveals himself through his word and we we're able to um, just be encouraged and blessed by what he has to say to us this morning and um, yeah we've, we've just come out of a season of Easter okay we've been uh, holidaying and catching up with family and friends and, and this season of Easter I've been reflecting on, on the resurrection okay um, just as in Christmas we reflect on the birth of Christ. Uh, at Easter it's an appropriate time that we can reflect not just on the holidays and you know the chocolate and all the other things, that trimmings that go with, uh, with Easter and all the fixings uh, but we can reflect on the resurrection and not just in a sense of knowing the story but actually seeing how it affects our life. Because the resurrection is more than a story, amen? It's more than a historical fact, and we're going to look at some of those in a moment. But it's actually, the purpose of it is to affect us. And I want to challenge you this morning to meditate on the resurrection and allow the Holy Spirit to implant a seed in you that will affect you, that will affect how you live, what you believe, and how you go about your daily living. So if you got your Bibles, not if, you should have your Bibles. Look at the person next to you if they haven't got their Bibles, you smack them. Gently. <laughs> Isn't it great now we can carry our Bibles around on our phone too these days? We don't have to bulk up with you know big thick Bible, but so 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 12, that's where we're going to start this morning, as point of introduction. So while you find that, I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that Lord, we can look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ and see that it is more than just a historical fact, Lord. It is a lifeline between us and you, Lord. Lord, that you have caused this to happen, that it will affect our life in a positive way, Lord. So we thank you for this morning Lord and I pray by your spirit just enlighten these things to us as we hear your words in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright. You all got it? Give me a wave if you got it. Not yet? 1 Corinthians 15 verse 12. Okay. Catch up if you're not there yet. But tell me this. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there is will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ was not raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your trust in God is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. Verse 16 If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, sounds like Paul's repeating himself here, isn't he? But he's trying to make a point. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still under condemnation for your sins in that case all who have died believing in Christ have perished if we have hope in this if we have hope in Christ only for this life we are the most miserable people in the world But the fact is that Christ has been raised from the dead he has become the first of a great harvest of those who will be raised to life again. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful piece of scripture that we can reflect upon. So much in there that we can take for ourselves and we apply it to our life. So I don't know about you, but I don't like doing things that are useless. I like doing things that are productive and actually contribute and mean something. And if something's going to be useless, I'd rather not do it. The three things are useless, Paul says here, if the resurrection is not real. First, our preaching is useless. Our trusting in God is useless. And My friends, if the resurrection is not real, then your faith is useless. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't believe my faith is useless. It's not useless. It's real to me. And the reason I can say that is not just because the Bible says it, but because I can know without a doubt that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is real. It happened. Okay? It's recorded. There were witnesses. And because of that, because Jesus rose from the dead, then the promises of God are real for me my life. I can put my faith in that. It's not useless. It is real. My faith is real. It helps me deal with the things that I need to deal with in life. So this morning I want to um, encourage us to look at these things with new eyes Um, and that our faith is not misplaced and certainly not useless. It means that scripture becomes alive, it becomes real to us. Scriptures like 2 Corinthians 1.20 For no matter how many promises God had made, they are... Okay, they are yes, in case you didn't. So let's try that again. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes. They're yes. Not no, not maybe, not if. They are yes in Christ because Jesus rose from the dead. And 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sin in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And there's one more, Isaiah 53, verse 5. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. All these scriptures become real to us when we can know in our heart that Jesus rose from the dead with no doubt, no ambiguity, no trying to do all the mental gymnastics to try and you know, appease secular thinking. Jesus rose in bodily form from the dead. He is alive today. Someone shout hallelujah. Jesus is alive today because he's no longer in the grave. And yet in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared, say always, to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. Okay? So I want to ask you this morning, Someone, if you're telling someone about your faith and they say to you, why do you believe Jesus rose from the dead? What would your answer be? Because the Bible says we need to be prepared to give an answer. Because a lot of times when people ask, they're not doing it to be cynical or anything, they're actually genuinely asking, why do you believe Jesus rose from the dead? Now, for most of us, I would believe we would say, well, because the Bible tells us that he rose from the dead. And that's all right for us as people of faith. But in an ever-increasing secular and sceptical world, that just isn't an appropriate answer. We need to have an answer that we can give them of why we believe. Yes, the Bible says it, and yes, we believe that's true, and yes, that should be enough for us. But sometimes we need to dig deeper, and we need to be able to give that answer clearly and definitively. So this morning, we're going to look at a few of these facts in a hope that we can give an answer for the hope we have. So, got your pens and paper ready? Because I haven't given you a PowerPoint today. You can work for this one. All right. Fact number one. The tomb was empty. All right. Turn to the person next to you say, The tomb was empty. So you need to understand that the tomb was guarded it was guarded and I mean it was guarded not just by some hack that they pulled off the street and said here I'll give you two bob if you watch stay here no they were guarded by professional guards Roman soldiers they knew what they were doing because they knew if they didn't do their job it was by shifts guarding that tomb because they wanted to make sure that there was no funny business going on. The chief priests and the Roman governor, they wanted to make sure that Jesus stayed where he was. And so the tomb was empty. Matthew 28, 11 says, While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. And when the chief priest had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money. I'll ask you a question right here. Why did they have to come up with a plan? Why did they have to explain the situation that was at hand? Because the tomb was empty. They couldn't deny that. They couldn't say, well look, just come with me, we can show you where Jesus is. We can show you his body. No, they had to come up with a plan to explain why they couldn't produce the body of Jesus. And they told them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So in this, we see an admission. We see an admission that there was a body missing, that they had to explain it, and that in this, they had to. The guards had to be reassured. You can go and tell the governor the story. It's okay. If you get into trouble, we will. We'll cover you. We got your back on this. We'll tell them it's okay. Okay. Don't need to be frightened to tell them of what happened. fact number one is the tomb was empty okay fact number two there's multiple witnesses multiple witnesses 1 Corinthians 15 5 and Jesus appeared to Peter and then to the twelve after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep. Why do you think Paul put that in there? Why do you think he had to stress that some were still living? He could say it with confidence. He could say, I'm not making this story up. If you don't believe me, go and ask these people. There are multiple witnesses. Don't just believe me. There some people still alive today. That you can go and verify this story with them. You can say, did you see Jesus after he was crucified? Is he, did you see him alive? Tell me, is this rumor that I'm hearing, is it true? You can go and talk to them. I've got no problem with that. Paul says it with confidence. Go and check this story out. Because last of all, Paul says he appeared to me also. So in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 21, we see where he appeared to Peter. In John 20, we see where he appeared to Mary Magdalene. And again, even this recording gives us confidence in the credibility of this story. Because if they were making this story up, I've got to say that they would have put a more credible witness in than Mary Magdalene. Because in those days, ladies, women's testimony just weren't valid. I'm sorry, but they weren't in those days. And if I was writing a story, I'd find a more credible witness to put down than Mary Magdalene. But the fact that she's in this story lends weight to the validity of what they're sharing here. He appeared to the apostles. We all know the story where they were cowering in fear. Uh, We read it in Luke 24 Mark 16 and John 20. And in their presence Jesus appears. Jesus appears in the flesh. He said to them, put your fingers in my hand. Put your hand in the side where they speared me. There was a physical presence of Jesus there. And then Matthew 28, we see where he appears to the crowd of 500. In Luke 24, we see where he appears to two men walking on the road to Emmaus. Even though they didn't recognise him at first, at the end of the trip, their eyes were open. They said to themselves, weren't our hearts burning as Jesus was walking along with us? And then in Acts 9 we see where Paul also um, comes has an encounter with the risen Christ. So we see multiple witnesses lending weight to the validity of this story that Jesus is alive. He has risen from the dead. Because fact number one is the tomb was empty. Good, you're listening. Fact number two is multiple witnesses. Fact number three is you don't know because I haven't told you yet have I? That got you listening. Fact number three is the apostles held firm to their belief that they had seen the risen Christ even to the point of death. History records that each apostle was martyred all except John who ended up in exile on the island of Patmos. He got a Greek holiday while all the other guys went to their death. Okay? But they all, you can read history, not just Christian history, but secular history, showing that guys like Thomas who went to India and Peter and Paul who went to Rome all held on to this belief. They were not going to recant on their testimony that they had an encounter with the risen risen Christ. Now I know about you, but I'm not willing to die for a lie. At some point I would break and say, no, no, guys, I was just making it up. It's all right. Put your swords away. Okay. I was just making it up. I was hoping I'd get away with it, but anyway. but they died for what they believed. They held firm to it. There was such a conviction on their heart that they had seen Jesus, they had seen that he was alive and that he indeed had risen. Fact number four is that we have the Holy Spirit with us here today. John 16 records the words of Jesus where he says, Unless I go... He will not come. They're not the exact words. They're my paraphrase. But Jesus had to go in order to send the Holy Spirit. And the fact that we have the Holy Spirit here with us today for me is evidence that Jesus is alive. He's alive and living in us through the Holy Spirit. Um, Acts 2.39 says The promise is for you That's you? No. Your children and for all who are far off. Okay? Now I've got to say, all of you are the far off. Okay? Some people say I'm far out. (laughs) Do you ever use that expression these days? Far out. Or is that just my age showing my age? Okay? You are the far off. You are the one that was foreseen down the track that this promise is for you as a much it was for those that were hearing it for the first time. The promise of the Holy Spirit that was to come when Jesus ascended and went to be with the Father. Alright, so let's recap. Fact number one, the tomb was empty. Number two, There were multiple witnesses. Number three, the apostles went to their death. Believe in this. Number four, the Holy Spirit is here with us today. And number five, no one has ever been able to produce a body. No one has ever been able to say, come here, this is Jesus right here. No one. You know why? Because he ain't there. (laughs) He's not there. How can you produce a body that isn't there? My friends, Jesus is alive. He has risen from the dead. So my question for you this morning is, how does that affect your life? How does that affect the way you view things? How does that change your perspective from an unbeliever Because I've got to say, in my current circumstance I hold on to the fact that if God can raise Jesus from the dead, then my friends, nothing is impossible to Him. Now some people might say, well you don't get much argument from a dead person Okay, where you often meet resistance from someone who's alive. But if God can raise Jesus from the dead. And what is possible in my life? What is possible in your life? What, can, what scripture, what promise in the word is a yes in Christ? What can you put your faith in that is not useless? It is real. That's a challenge right this morning, my friends, I believe. In that, as we share this word, we can be renewed in faith that nothing is impossible, for my God. In the scandal of Easter morning, Resurrection Day you can just imagine the scurrying around. When the chief priests heard that Jesus' body was missing, they would have called everyone to, guys, let's go, let's have a look. All scurrying around. But in all that, they found out that there's nothing in the tomb. It was empty. And you know, and I often wonder, as you sometimes do, or maybe it's just me. Why did Jesus get put in a in a new tomb that no one else had used before? And I look at that and I think, well, that would have been an interesting morning for that other person in the grave, wouldn't it? If there was someone else in there with him. Okay, that would have been a bit of a rude shock for that other person. But no, they couldn't find nothing. That's a double negative, sorry. They found nothing in that grave. No corpse, no skeleton. All they found was a nicely folded set of clothes. And again, I think to myself, now, if someone was going to steal Jesus' body, A, Can you imagine all the noise while they were trying to, and all the commotion trying to roll that stone away? Because it wasn't a pebble; I mean, it was a stone. You ever try to move a stone? I know you probably have, Jeremy. But (laughs) they're not easy to move, are they? No. And the way they're constructed, the stones are placed in the groove. So, and the groove generally tended to slope towards the opening. So you know it wasn't easy, but it was doable that you could push a stone in position to seal off the turn. But the other way, you had to push it a bit uphill and not to counter the fact that there was a a seal around it, which would have made it even more difficult. And so the commotion of trying, you know, all the grunting and groaning, come on guys, put your shoulder into it, push harder. I reckon that would have woken the guards up. But then, I reckon you would have been in a bit of a hurry too, don't you think? Who would have sat there, undressed the corpse and said, "Okay, guys, let's get the ironing board out. Let's make sure they're nicely folded. You would have just grabbed the body and done a runner. Bolt with the body over your shoulder. Don't worry about the grove clothes, we'll just discard them anywhere down the the road. And so you can see what a what a ridiculous story it is to say that the body was stolen. That we are able to fully place our trust, and that the story of the resurrection is true, and it is credible, and we could, we can put our trust in it. And that if we can put our trust in that, in that Jesus is alive today, then yes every promise God has made is a yes for us it is a yes for us so I want to encourage you what promise are you hanging on to that you have found in Scripture this morning what word of God is resonating in your heart that sometimes comes into doubt because it does I know from my experience that yes Little seeds of doubt start to creep in. You start to think, is this really true? Can I really put my faith in this? And then I think, well, actually, yes, I can. Because I know that Jesus is alive. I know the resurrection story is real. And if that's real, that means every other promise is real. Amen? Let me encourage you with that, my friends, this morning. As we're reflecting upon the resurrection in this season of Easter, that it is something we can speak about it is something we can share with confidence and that if someone does ask you why do you believe that story why do you believe jesus rose from the dead well hopefully i've given you some ammunition this morning we can reflect upon in being able to give an answer to everyone who asks a question of our hope but doing it with gentleness and respect let's pray Heavenly Father I thank you that this morning your word is so real to us that we can Lord put our faith in it that Lord our faith is not useless but it is Lord it does give us hope it does give us an assurance of our future and that Lord we can share it Lord Honestly, we can share it with uh, all integrity. That we, Lord, can share it with confidence. That Jesus is alive. He has risen from the dead. And that every promise you have made is yes because of that. Thank you, Lord. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to conclude it there this morning. But I do want to finish by allowing some time for prayer. If you have any prayer need that you would like to come uh, and just ask God of, um, just come to the front and I'll pray with you. I'll stand with you. We can believe that God hears our prayers and answers them. Okay, so uh, I might just get Natalia, if you could just come up for a moment and just give some keys. Thanks, Darl. So if you want to respond to what was being shared this morning, then please come.